We, we nailed that really well. We did a whole little extra bit at the end. I was so surprised by how good that was that I forgot what we were doing for a second. And then I remembered we're on <laughs> Lore Dump. Oh, I was going to say something else. What, were Yay, you, wait, what, are, what do you think we're doing right now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You know the answer is good when you won't say it. <laughs> it's a good joke, but I don't want to make it public anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're here on Lore Dump. Hey, it's it's us. Hey, season everybody. three, episode two. This is our second season three episode. So what is that? Is that is that episode forty two? It would be episode forty two. Yes. Holy buckets! That's a lot of buckets. podcasts. It is a lot of podcasts. Sorry, I just burped. It is a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I you think I'd learn up to burp in forty two episodes. <laughs> uh, we've we've learned literally nothing in forty two episodes. I think. Uh, <laughs> that is fully accurate <laughs> there's been zero learning this entire time you've just witnessed us be feral into microphones the entire time yeah you've you've watched us fail to learn how to start a podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still don't know how to do that 42 episodes in speaking of starting podcasts sean what's our topic today Starting podcasts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lordumble. Jeez. We'll teach you how to run a TTRPG podcast. Okay, so what's the Is first thing? Wrong? What's the first thing you have to do to start a podcast? Chapter on? one. Where do you get the dang microphones? <laughs> <laughs> I usually go to Amazon for all my microphone needs and just about everything else. They're a super conglomeration of stores, producers of things, and buyers of stuff. All across America. Okay. What? Uh, what's okay? Go on, please. Tell Step something. number two. Oh, how do you get the dang thing out of your computer? That's a good question, there, listener. What you're gonna want to do is edit it into a listenable format, <laughs> unlike we've done here. <laughs> Why does our audience sound like that? <laughs> well, I don't know. Why do computer. you sound like that? I don't do computers. <laughs> I'm kidding. Our audience is much smarter than even us on this show. A lot smarter than us, yeah. We have 42 episodes of evidence so far. Although they've stuck with us for 42 episodes. That's questionable behavior. If they've stuck with us through this opening, that will be impressive. (laughs) (laughs) The other 41 episodes opened pretty well. We still haven't started our podcast, what we were going to talk about. We really haven't. We started a new spinoff podcast that I'll get to at some point in the future. Okay, this goes along with the Shrek podcast, the Smash Mouth podcast, the Lilo and Stitch podcast. Yeah, and... You're missing one more. Is it the Hamilton podcast? No, it's my uh, <laughs> Christian podcast, Why 1000 Name for Christ, <laughs> which is an official thing we've stated on this show before. All of these podcasts are out there, guys. It's your job to seek them out and find them. So today on Lore Dump, we're going to talk about what, Joshua? Uh, we're going to talk about... Okay, so... We each have opinions. Sean's been researching like a pro, but we each have opinions <laughs> about uh, D&D modules that we'd like to run, why we'd like to run them, and what we'd like to see changed. Uh, so this is going to be interesting because there's like, well, we've both run a fair amount of modules, right? 
I have run the first two chapters of two different modules, and that's it. What, which which ones? Dragon Heist and uh, against the dragon or tyranny of dragons. I the TM out one where they stuck them together. I played in your tyranny of dragons one, yeah. Yeah, and I was amazing at it, right? Oh my god, you were actually very good. <laughs> was I really? Yeah, you. That fucking party. I mean, I love those people, but that fucking party was chaos. That was very chaotic. We had like three new characters in the second session. Yep. They just rotated through. <laughs> this is right when uh, Sean's and my romance was budding. Uh, this was early, early Josh and Sean hangout time. This was like the first time we hung out not on a stream or for anything. Yeah, we were just dicking around. Pre-tweet related. Wow. Look yeah. At, look at us. Good stuff. Good stuff. Look at us. But that's my experience literally summed up in less than five minutes. <laughs> Would I mean, you like to talk about yours? <laughs> I'm really familiar with Salt Marsh because I've played through and run that much a million times. I can't times. believe we're still in the book. It's just amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a super long one. <laughs> uh, so I've done, I've done Salt Marsh. I've co-DM'd Strahd, which we don't really need to talk about because everybody's Blah. talked about that. Blah. Uh, yeah, this is a Strahd free zone. Yeah, co-DMing was interesting. Um, that was a unique experience because we were switching off who, who was DMing when, um, we've done that once, but yeah, but this was a full campaign with like story arcs and, and a book. Yeah. yeah, It was, it was a weird process. It was, it was fun though. Um, I have read through a few. I've read bits and pieces of princes of the apocalypse, bits and pieces of rise of Tiamat, most of Tomb of Annihilation, bits and pieces okay. of Tales from the Yawning Portal. How many have you run? None of none of those four. I think I've only run, I'm looking at the list right now, I've only genuinely run... Saltmarsh and Strahd? Saltmarsh and Strahd, yeah, that's it. Oh, shit. Well, we each have two We under each our have belt. two. Kind of. Well, that's all it takes, and then you can start homebrewing, and then you don't have to worry about canon. Yeah, but then you find out later on that the canon actually mattered because it's written into the story. Yeah. <laughs> you change it. That's the shit I hate. Ugh. It's, yeah, because, yeah. This yeah, isn't sure. about griping, though. This is about celebrating modules and what they could be and how good they are. <laughs> I mean, there's there's good and there's a good bit of bad with modules. It's, it's like, a, it's, it's, we've talked about this on the show before, right? <laughs> Yeah, there's there's good adventures and there's Strahd. <laughs> you played through Strahd how many times? Uh, I have never fully played through Strahd. You've just started it a few times. It, yes, I've started it twice. Currently, I am playing through it with a group of uh, home friends, and it's enjoyable. Mm. I'm having a great time, but it's it it's the same aesthetic through the whole adventure. It's very heavy. It's very, oh, Strahd's so powerful. Oh, my God. And then you turn it around on him, and then he's like a weak bitch, and you just crush him into the dirt at, like, level eight. You don't even have to be full level to fight yeah. him. You get one of the items, and you're like, all right, let's fuck this guy up. Yeah, if you look at Strahd's stat block, it's not great. Garbo tier. Yeah. He needs a revisiting. Yeah. Uh, but for I a like guy who they, runs a whole plane, <laughs> yes, he's but I like 
what they do, like the villains omnipresent in the whole adventure. Very good. There's a lot of like the Madame Ava fortune telling, sort of like randomizing the campaign. All that stuff's good. It's just it's the same adventure that every DM runs every time. Yeah. So my my DM's done a lot of research and like made it a little different, which is nice, but for the most part it's still Strahd, still Brovia, still vampires and bats and zombies and shit. Blah. Did it? Okay. I'm proud okay. Of you. So, <laughs> so we each picked an adventure that we've kind of done a little bit of reading, but we haven't run. Right? That's 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 what we've done. Yes, okay. that's what we've we've done. We're going to pick pick our our case. We're going to talk about why we've selected it. Talk about why it might be fun. Why we picked it over everything else. And if there's anything we might change about it. Okay, 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 okay. I'm very excited for this. This is going to be fun. This is going to be good. Okay. I don't know what you picked. So you could go first then. You want me to? I know what you picked. You know what I picked? What? Yeah. Oh, can you tell me what I picked? Yeah, you picked the Horde of the Dragon Queen. Oh, don't do this to me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure you picked Icewind Dale. Is that correct? I did pick Icewind Dale. And it kind of segues well because... I'm doing this back ass word. I'm going to start with what back I would ass change. Word? Hang on. You said back ass word. Yeah. Is so that right. how you usually say it? Yeah, that's that's right. right. Back ass word. Right. Yeah. Oh. I'm a clever boy. <laughs> I've been fooled by your vernacular. I'm so tricky. Man. So good with words. I speak so well. <laughs> uh, okay. My name so- is Lorex. I speak for the trees. <laughs> I'm going to have to do a lot of <laughs> This is just chaos and I love it. I love it. Um, so Icewind Dale, you brought up the point earlier when we were talking about Strahd, about how it's the same thing again and again, and how the aesthetic does not change, mm-hmm. and that gets bland after a while. Yes. In reading Icewind Dale, same problem, right out of the gate. It is a big, cold field. A very, very big, cold field, and that's the whole thing. A cold field and some mountains, and you've got to contend with that. They've populated it. They put a billion towns in the freaking thing, like it's big. Yeah. But as a DM, you're gonna have to put a lot of work work into squeezing variation and environment out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fun out of cold. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's fun as an environmental encounter for a few sessions when that's what you're playing into for months and years. Yeah. So that's that's my like immediate like this should probably be changed thing. Um Okay. But why'd I pick it? Yeah, let's get to that one. I I like the concept of a entire region being held at the mercy of a god. Um, which is the whole spoilers. I think we'd need to say that right now, right? I should have said that probably. Yeah, earlier. if you don't want to have these campaigns spoiled for you, uh, g- g- uh, leave. Bye. We'll talk to you later. Um, I miss you. Catch my other six podcasts. <laughs> They're all very good. <laughs> um, Oral is is a neat character, right? Like, Oral. Yeah, the Frost Maiden. Am I missaying her name? I don't know. I didn't know it was pronounced oral. <laughs> that's that's how I say it. Uh, it's probably wrong, but oral, the frost maiden, whatever you want to call them. Nice, dude. The god 
in that is the central central point of the entire Icewind Dale story. It literally is called Rime of the Fo- Frost Maiden. The big um, huge evil person. Yeah, the big BBEG uh, is a neat character. Um, I also kind of like uh, that uh, they call the the title of the book is a pun. I don't know if you know that. Because uh, she's a rapper. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. <laughs> I love you so much and I'm so mad at you. Rhymes of the Frost Maiden. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sorry, how is it a pun? Jeff? I'm a sucker for puns. Uh, and it's spelled R- rhyme, R-I-M-E, which is mm-hmm. like the like frost that forms are on cold objects. So that's mm-hmm. what rhyme is, but it alludes to like a rhythm or a rhyme. Uh, and I like... I like puns, uh, and this is a giant pun. So, you know, that that's another reason I'd like to do That's very superficial, but fight me. <laughs> it's got a silly name. It's got a silly name. Oh, I, I like it. the silly name. Uh, other things that really uh, drew me into this one is that the fauna of Icewind Dale is very good. Uh, the Those are animals, correct? Yes, yeah. Like, the, the environmental okay. creatures and beasties are really cool. They have a... F- a fucking narwhal in this book, man. Yeah, they've got an awakened um, dinosaur. They do, yeah. Too. It's, <laughs> it's very cool. The the monsters are fantastic, and they're built into the narrative, like like the awakened. Uh, what is it? It's a the one with the long neck, right? Please, plesiosaur. plesiosaur. Yeah, plesiosaur. I think yeah. Um, that's a story element, and like the characters can engage with it. And there's this fucking—I'm swearing a lot today. There's this freaking um, like I don't. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's this um, there's this whale-drawn underwater carriage uh, mm-hmm. that honestly, I'm pretty sure um, Rick and Morty stole the entire concept from for uh, Mr. Nimbus, but that's whatever. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge Rick. And- Morty Watcher, but it's very similar in aesthetic. <laughs> uh, I would be surprised to find out that's true. <laughs> that's my my tinfoil hat. Is that who's that? Who who? It's that one dude. I don't remember his name. Yeah, it's, it's um like Nimbus or it's the Ocean Lord or whatever. Yeah, Rick's bad guy. Season anime. five, episode one. Yeah. Uh, so the only free one on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I know it. um so yeah uh all of those are really good things and i will say i like the gripe that i presented at the front is also a positive i love i love the opportunity to do cool things with that environment you know what i mean like because they have done some very cool things in here there's some really neat shit and the map for this place while a big cold field is very good you know what I mean? Like the spine of the world and you've got like, I'm looking at like Kelvin's Cairn and Kerr Koenig and Kerr Drenival. Like there's all these cool little elements to it. And like sitting right on a glacier and everything. I don't know. It just is, it, the aesthetic is neat. It's challenging and I would wager very difficult to work with in the long run, but it does seem entertaining. Um, and this is where, uh, what's his name is from, isn't it? Who's what's his name? Um, crap. 
the Drow Ranger. Oh, Dritz. Dritz, yeah. Yeah. And he spent a lot of time up in the Yeah, he came up in here, up in the mountains up here. Icewind Dale. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole thing. So Yeah, actually it's <laughs> I just looked at this. Uh like the famous Drow, Dritz Dorden. <laughs> many people have come to Ten Town as our outcasts. Wow. Thanks, Book. Thanks for not being in my line of sight. Yeah. Now, one of the things I remember from this book in the streams they did in the promotion material is they released the art for two creatures that were fucking really cool. The uh, vampiric kobolds and the vampiric gnolls. Mm-hmm. And they talked about like how there are more vampiric creatures up here because there's less sunlight all yeah. the time. Constantly. And it's just, yeah, it's a snowy blizzard like always. So there's just more vampires. That's fucking rad as hell. This is the one that put in the gnome mind flayers, I believe, as well. Yeah, yeah. and the vampiric mind flayers. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, the vampiric ones in there too, which is kind of a disappointment from a stat block perspective, but a cool yeah. idea. They're all hungry and crazy and stupid. Yeah. But like, like there's, I think the monster lineup maybe next to Theros is fu- one of Five E's best in regards to flavor, not yes. necessarily in regards to mechanics. I think we've right. seen a lot better stuff in like the Van Richten stuff recently, mechanically. Mm-hmm. Um, and Theros had some really good mechanics. Theros has some of the best creatures introduced yeah. to Five E. Oh, think. Theros is amazing. There's some masterpiece. But it's not a module, so we don't get to talk about it. I don't it. fucking care about it. I just want the monsters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Give me monsters, satyrs, and that bard class, and I'm good. Take the yeah. rest of the book oh down. Oh, my God. The paladin class is really cool, too. What, the, the mm-hmm. champion or whatever? Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so, like, the, the, the monster lineup for this thing is really good. The magical um, spell lineup, I recall being fairly lackluster, and the magic item lineup is non-existent in this. I don't remember there being much. I I think they dropped some very big, like they dropped the scroll of Tarask. Oh yeah, Tarask was in this, which was and solely the for the story. Of, like, meteor summoning. Yeah, the ninth level spell they dropped was the Sword of Disaster, which is a very cool it's spell, cool. but it's yeah. just a big sword that's, that can that's, pass through that's walls. Right. Yeah. I I like the Sword of Disaster, but it's like who's gonna use yeah. it? <laughs> Oh, my favorite thing that they did in, I believe it was in this book, is they added the Create Majin spell. Oh, they did do that. Yeah, that was... That um, spell fucking rips. I love it so much. Yeah, the seventh level spell. What is one hour? Yeah, that's really cool. That is a neat spell. And only a wish spell could undo it. Yeah, little known fact. That's what uh, Sedwin almost killed himself doing. Oh, that's where it came from? Yeah, over and over again. That's so good till he nearly died. <laughs> okay, I was wondering. I kn- I know you've always got a, a. I just like that spell source, but that is very cool. Yes. Yeah, they've got like some books in here that are neat, filled with spells. Okay, but now, the items were. Do you have any ideas on what you would adjust if you were to run this? Because you said it's too icy, too cold. Oh, it's all the same environment. Blah. What would you? do to adjust it immediately and so environmental changes to address that um we're talking giant sulfur baths and like hot spring regions 
um, like volcanic um, elements that completely contradict the curse and cause create like these almost safe zones. But in those spaces, there are some very different fauna. I'm thinking like, you know, the Japanese monkeys that like bathe in the hot tubs, <laughs> like that needs to exist. So like diversify that way. Um, I like, I like the cla claustrophobic feeling of it. Like you are yeah. pinned in this mountain range under this glacier like i like that element i don't want to lose that right so it would need to be things that can be added into that space reasonably so you could do like a druid's thicket that's you know game of thronesy like way up in the north that's this like stand yeah. of trees in a frozen region like you could mix it up a little bit with that um i think where you run into the pro there's not a lot of diversity from town to town like the diversity comes from the narrative elements. So, like, when you enter a town, everything's fairly similar in aesthetic. Um, so, like, fleshing those out, which the book honestly leaves for you to do anyway, which is typical of modules and a boon and a problem with modules, but fleshing those out to give them more characteristic. Like, if I were going to run this module almost immediately the first thing i would do is sit down with this map and rewrite town descriptions add in shopkeepers and stores and locations and religious centers that feasibly work within the narrative so yes people are trapped in this space and it's very depressive but they still live here there are still things happening and i think that would bring it to life a little bit more which is you could say that for every module <laughs> yeah and that, well, that's you know not all of them are so depressing. <laughs> yeah. And like Some of them do have different settings, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, Strahd does a good job. Valaki is very different to the village of Barovia. You know what I mean? Like, there, there, there is a shift there tonally. Uh, and making that more apparent, uh, at least in Ice, in Icewind, would be, I think, a thing to do there. I think playing into again they do this like element where they skim over the surface of like this underwater element of creatures that live under the ice build that out are there like you know loacath tribes or merfolk or something living under the ice like build a settlement down there that the players can explore right so a lot of my stuff would be building things out a little bit more um Oral would need to be revamped because there's the three <laughs> yeah it is the the three phases of the frost maiden. Um, the owl bear form is very cool, but then the other two forms are like amalgamous, vague things. Big that, ice lady and then tiny little shard of ice. <laughs> yeah, and it's like okay, nah, that needs to be reassessed. Uh, and then her agents within the region, I think, need to be tied back to her more consistently. So, like, in regards to factions and overarching context and lines for the party to run into that lead back to the Frost Maiden, that, I think, needs to be further built out and fleshed out in order for it to feel really immersive for the party. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. I think we covered all the ground on on mine. Uh, sh shall we move on? Shall we move on to you, good sir? Any closing sure. thoughts on Frost Maiden? Um, I haven't read too much of the actual adventure because you know 
in case I ever did play it, I didn't want to have most of it spoiled for me. The only thing I do know is that chunky dragon thing, because that was pretty cool. I was pretty excited that that came out. Uh, <laughs> big chunky boy. But it starts with a ch as well. The name of it. Yeah. Chirac- it's like a Chardolamite dragon yeah. or something like that. The mini fret is very cool. Yes, it is. Yeah, I love but that. Don't thing. buy. Uh, never mind. I shouldn't say don't buy Wizards of the Coast stuff on a podcast. <laughs> you should buy it, but just know that I bought two of their dragon minis and both of them fell apart. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful. Yeah, so just be very careful with them. Um, I yeah, I really don't have too much to say on, you know, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Um, I'm really looking forward to the vampire stuff if I ever get in there. Yeah, I would probably add more vampire stuff to it. Maybe we spin it up for... Oh, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, there. it's it's very surface level. The Mind Flayer stuff is pretty surface level, too. Throw some yeah. more of that shit in there. That's a good... I'd game. probably add, like, real, like, human vampires who are running that shit. Mm. Yeah. Probably out there somewhere, but yeah. Some sort of you frozen to... palisade or something like that. Yeah. You were about to say something, cool though. Aesthetic. You were about to say something before you chimed in on my thing. What was that? You you heard it and immediately hung. You're like, well, huh? what was that, bud? Maybe we'll spin something up for funsies or something. You know I mean? <gasps> like play every couple months or something, and I could DM every it. few weeks, every day or so. <gasps> oh, <laughs> pack your bags, honey. We're going on vacation. <laughs> Watch me bite off more than I can chew. <laughs> now I fully understand that situation. Yeah, yeah, and you've I, done it. Yeah, I don't. I respect it, but I don't envy it. Last point. They do have brain in a jar in this, which is very solid. It's very good. Yeah. Very powerful. Yeah. And powerful move to put brain in a jar. Brain in, in a jar. That's it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> For my book report, I am going to talk about Storm King's Thunder. Ooh, spicy. Yeah. Now I've I've not ever played through this. I've only done some light reading on it over the last week or so. <clears throat> From what I've heard, it's a sort of difficult campaign to run, especially if you're used to using modules or a first-time DM, because this is a very open-world sandbox-type module, which is incredibly strange. It's rare. So. It starts at level one, if you'd like to. There's a whole chapter to get you from one to level five, I believe, which is very quick in a single level or a single chapter to get from level one to level five. Um, chapter two, you would start at level five and you can continue it over from like Fandelver or um, Dragon Heist or any of the one through five level adventures. And then they start you right in with like getting into giant conflict Mm. and then chapter three is hey go explore every fucking place that they've ever put into the forgotten realms like looking at the list of locations for the chapter three there's like at least 80 things listed here including the entirety of icewind dale yep so (laughs) (laughs) yeah It spans, you're given like different choices to make. You choose which quest to follow. And depending on where you go, the story sort of follows you. And there's a certain event that happens depending on the quest you choose. But then after that, it's sort of like, you know, go, go hang out, go be around and do things. And while the party's doing that, you're supposed to be like placing 
these story clues that will eventually connect them back to chapter four a month and a half from now. <laughs> I This was, now correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe this was the first or at least one of the first modules Wizards dropped for 5e. This was I believe early it was on. very early. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure the they made this and said, never again. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I'm pretty sure it was poorly received. <laughs> yeah, it didn't go over well at all. Um, yes. I remember that for sure. Like, I, you could still see the legacy of that, I think, on, like, Amazon reviews where people shit all over it. But it doesn't seem yeah. like a bad module. <laughs> it's So it's not a bad adventure. I think what the problem was is they dropped it as one of their first... Mm-hmm. When they hadn't come out with other modules to teach people to play the fucking game yet. Mm. So people were still sort of getting into the 5e groove and they were like, okay, go go build the entire Forgotten Realms for your party and then have them walk around in it. Have fun. So, I think they released this alongside the um, Forgotten Realms adventuring guide. Oh, which... S- sort of like a double feature, which... Is which wasn't a, a great book either. <laughs> No, it's all about their setting, and it's not even the whole thing. And well, like the classes that they stuffed in there and everything were very lackluster. It was everything messy. about it was rough. But I see a lot of potential in it because mm. each one of those locations that they put in this book, there is like a little description of it. But there's also, like, things to do. It's not there for no reason. There's like, oh, you can have them find out this or talk to this NPC and gain this information. Like, all of them are pretty well described to be something to do. You're not going somewhere and still not being connected to the story, which I think is good. So so but, we, my question for you, like, what do you think about the, like, overarching looming threat? Like, what is it? What is it? F- You've talked about this narrative and how the clues are placed. Does it feel like there's escalation in this? I leaned so far away from my microphone for that entire sentence. Good job, me. Yeah, I heard it all. Yeah. Do you feel like there's like good escalation in this? Does the the bad guy seem reachable? Now, the thing about this is for most of the beginning sections of the book, you don't know who the bad guy is. Mm. You are just seeing what giant kind is doing to the world in a weird way. Like all of a sudden giants just start attacking villages and across the uh, entirety of the forgotten code or for forgotten realms are sort of wreaking havoc. Um, and it's kind of up to you to figure out what the fuck is happening, mm. which I think is kind of cool. And it it really brings you into and deepens the different types of giants and their political structures. It's very strangely political and like, I don't know, there's something fun about giants having this in-depth political structure that are all different from each other. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is is really good to show your party. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> what's going on you know yeah like, they need to see the stakes so that's that's good writing i mean there's three different quests to choose from and in each one of those you essentially see giants destroy a city so there is a heavy sense of escalation that's awesome in that yeah um but as for who the villain is it's more figuring out why the giant society is in such disarray because mm-hmm. no one really knows um but yeah, I really, really like 
the concept they're building to where eventually you like summon the giants to the storm king's hall it's really cool that's neat yeah. oh, i i like that like i forgot what i was gonna say i'm sorry bud that was really impressive in real time i 404 aired <laughs> don't worry, i'll cut that out <laughs> no you won't uh <laughs> I uh, I very much appreciate the um. It seems like like the, I like when political elements are there. It seems like this is not like crazy combat oriented. Like there is a there is a way to do this, however the party sees fit. Too right, like honestly, yeah. Because when the giants first sort of show up, they will fucking kill you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the level you are and the, the the fight experience you've had when you first meet giants, they'll most likely destroy whatever party you put in front of them at that level. So having to look up at giants and be like, "Okay, what do you want? What's going on here? Can we help? What's going <laughs> Everything on? Everything good?" is kind of interesting. Um, they also have some like giant allies you can find in your wandering around the world. Oh, that's There's, cool. It's a lot of really cool elements in here that you. I think getting to the thing I would change is not necessarily a big change, but more like before I run it, I would sit down and plan a an almost quest chain from chapters three to four just to get you on that path or like at least a trail they can follow to get there. Mm. So you're not flying by the seat of your pants when you get to chapter three. Be, be because that's a lot. It, yeah. Yeah. Don't do the thing that a lot of module runners do, which is read the book as the party progresses. Read Oops. the whole thing, guys. You got to know where it's ending so you can know where to begin. Yeah. There are things that will be touched upon in earlier chapters that are very important to the end of the story, and you won't know that unless you've read the whole book. Yep. So, <laughs> I've done that. that shit. I've for sure done that. So much? With uh no with uh Strahd the first because I oh. ran it on my own and then I ran it as a codium. And I like Same. I just read a chapter ahead every time. And Interesting. That was not great. It was easier because of the uh Taroka deck. Yeah, the Madame Ava So I'm ship. like, okay, I know where this is supposed to go. But uh I mean, that's all you really need, right? Yeah. But that would not work in most modules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're especially not in this one where you're Fucking running around the continent. If you don't have a path set before you when you start out, this campaign can easily spiral out of control. And I think that's its biggest problem mm. is the fact that a lot of people playing it are like, okay, pick up a module. Storm, oh, the big giants. Let's go play with giants. And they get home and they're like, I get to chapter three. What the fuck is this shit? I got to run around the continent? God damn it. I don't want to make 30 cities at once. Oh my god, that's insane. Yeah, that would be terrifying. Like, mapping it out, you're so right. I I do also, like... Giants kind of became, like, a cliche bad guy for a yeah. long time. And then they nobody touches them, right? Like, they're just almost like monsters that are thrown out there. Like, oh, here's a stone giant by itself, and you're a level 5 party. How do you deal with it? You know what I mean? Like... yeah. And this revitalizes that. And like you said, the culture's there and there's like a grand narrative around it. I, I appreciate that. It's like a nod to the classics. 
Yeah, like there's so much good shit, like just around the giants and their culture, everything about like where you go, because you don't just interact with giants the whole time. There's a lot of other shit. Like there's, not to give away part of the story, but there's an airship that you just get as part of this adventure. Badass. You get like a little dirigible pirate ship. It's fucking great. Like there's all of this great shit. (laughs) Listening to you talk too, it's funny because this adventure touches upon things that wizards would actually later define and put into their books properly yeah so i think it might be nice to revisit this with the context of the supplements that wizards has dropped as well like probably talking about companion npcs and airships like there's stat blocks for those things now where there were not when this came out (laughs) yeah one of the most egregious things i've actually read in this book so far is in the beginning like one of the first quests there's a bunch of npcs in a town where these giants are getting attacked. And they're like, go ahead and hand the NPC sheets out to your players. I'm like, excuse you? What? <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? I'm not giving them control of these players. What are you, are you crazy? Wow. <laughs> and they're all like zero CR humans who would die in a single hit. Right, they got swept off the board. Yeah. Oh, Just wizards. Like, I'm not going to give them that. You silly beans, you. You dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm kidding. You guys are great. Oh, man. Edit that out. I just, I'm just swearing at wizards. Yeah. Are, are there any like, because I, I look at this and this is a very much like, there's an appendix, but it's, there's three appendix, but they're, they're pretty brief, right? Like there's not a ton of additional stuff added in. Like what's the monster list like? And, the, and, and that sort of thing. Um, there were a lot of. There are a good amount of actually creatures added in in Stormgate Thunder. Okay. Uh, the Crag Cat, the Hulking Crab. There's a lot of specific, like, named NPCs that they've statted out that I'm assuming have something different. Mm. Um, most importantly, obviously, the Tressum, the Flying Cat. Obviously, the most important, the only one that matters. Your baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's not necessarily a huge amount of things. Um, a lot of the magic items are, like, the giant runes yeah and stuff like there's a lot of giant rune weapons and like giant items uh the contra teleportation there's most importantly out of the items is the throne Mm -hmm. the worm skull throne which is one of the best artifacts in D. &D. it's very cool it's insanely cool but the artwork uh, for it is so good (laughs) oh it's bitching dude oh Oh my god, it's so good. But yes, that is it's it's not very intensive on having like other modules or other monsters or adding a bunch of stuff in. It's using what the book already has access to very well. Mhm. Which I think is key. This is where it sh- and this is probably like another complaint is this book was dropped early on, didn't add a lot to the table. And people yes. were looking for where's my subclasses, where's my race race additions, like, and there's yeah. none of that. This is about the story. This is about yes. the world building. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's very cool. That's it's a lot about player freedom, which a lot of the other modules have parts of, but this is very much like, okay, where do you guys want to go? Well, this one seems better at addressing when you give your players freedom. How do you deal with it as a dungeon master? Yes. Because the other modules, you can give it to them, and then you're quite possibly screwed. 
<laughs> well, the other players is like you have freedom inside this little fishbowl. You can go yeah. anywhere inside this fishbowl you want, but you gotta stay inside the fishbowl. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Sorry. Yeah. I don't make the rules. You know, you have to stay in the Feywild if you want to do the Feywild, the twi- witch-, witch light one. You gotta stay in Hell if you want to play Avernus. Sorry. Yeah. Hell's a big place, but you gotta stay here to play it. This one is like, hey, go fucking do whatever. They even say in the book, this is not a ticking clock campaign. Giant politics take a very long time to do anything. This is going to take months. So take all the time you need to get from place to place. I love that. Honestly, I yeah. love that they wrote a reason for the timeline to move slowly. Yeah, it's very good. Bravo, wizards, for that. That's fucking smart. That's my clapping. I get the last class. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody. It's just this. That was just awkward silence for anybody watching it. While it was fully edited out. I can't put that in Josh. In good conscience, I can't put our audience through that too. That's fair. It was an excellent excellent experience for Sean and I. But it was a good bit between you and me. But the audience didn't get to see it. So it's not like it happened (laughs) to them. (laughs) <laughs> holy shit any yeah. other any other thoughts uh, on Storm King um, the only other thought I have is is uh, sort of a setup is running it after running Dragon Heist yeah which I always think is a very good starting point getting your party fixed in the Sword Coast mm-hmm before you go out and adventure, because they get a house, they get money, they get NPCs that know them, and they know they get hookups if they, you know, talk to people, make make partnerships, get on good sides, get on bad sides, get get a foothold in the world. A little bit of development. And then you can start this at chapter two and still run the same adventure, basically. Rock on in. And yeah. they, they have a whole appendix dedicated to tying in that yeah. that narrative just cool yeah like starting quest so Couple here's how you figure it out bam bing bang boom oh but yeah smart very oh. smart wizards wow sean we did it we talked about our two weird obscure choices for modules we might run one day what maybe maybe who knows <gasps> Oh my god! Ah, wowie zowie! That sounds cool. <laughs> How nifty! <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, guys, this has been Lore Dump. This is the end of it. How We're do we close your... out Lore Dump now? How do we do that, Chum? Bye. Bye. Is that really right? <laughs> No, I don't. I was kidding. Oh, you were kidding? If you were serious, then we can do it that Okay, way. how do we close? Here, serious, right now, serious, Sean, show me how we close it out. Hey, guys, this is serious, Sean. I just wanted to talk to you about how to close out a podcast. Um, when you're ending a podcast, you feel that energy sort of drop from the recording, you know, time sort of running out on your usual runtime. You're going to want to go ahead and just sort of end the podcast. You know, it's going to be hard to say, all right, that's the end of this episode. Um, we are we are going to. Josh has been doing a bit for the last 30 seconds where he pretends to fall asleep. You guys probably won't be able to see it, but it's very good. Again, visual bits. 
<laughs> We're great. I'm such a fucking idiot. You're great. <laughs> I loved watching it while I was trying to think of dumb shit to say. It's all visual. Bi- I'm I'm just doing constant visual bits during more dumb filming. Oh, now guys. he's flossing, guys. He's flossing. This is so cool. <laughs> I don't actually know how to do that. Not while you're seated. You can't do it while you're seated. He's, oh, he's dabbing. <gasps> oh, my God. And he's giving me money. He's signing into Venmo and he's giving me $400. Oh, no, I have no agency. Give me your cash. Robin and Blind. <laughs> I'm not in control of my faculties. So I'm giving him all my money. Jesus <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh. So you want a nice window? Hmm? You want a nice window? <laughs> Hold on, let me stop this recording. <laughs> yeah, that's the end. <laughs>